It has been a busy week, and there are tons of questions to get to in this Mailbag Friday segment, next on Locked on Royals. You are Locked on Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are tuned into another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Jack Johnson. Give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15 and follow us on TikTok at Locked underscore on underscore Royals. Same username as well for our Instagram account. Very easy to find us on wherever you listen to your podcast. That can be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and we are on YouTube. Just be sure to be that next subscriber to Locked On Royals. Our goal is to get to 700 by Christmas Day and then by 1,000 opening day 2024 when your Kansas City Royals take on the Minnesota Twins. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. It's the perfect time to go and create your account and start placing some bets. Lots of great college basketball games going on tomorrow. There's NBA games on full slate of NFL games on Sunday. So why don't you go over to FanDuel today and start placing those bets? If you are a first-time listener, of course, welcome in. And I'm just a regular Royals fan, as I'm sure you are tuning into some off-season content. I just work in sports and, and work here in Kansas City at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Got a show once a week over there. And then I also have a show Monday through Friday on ESPN Kansas City. So if you ever want to get my thoughts on things that may not always pertain to the Kansas City Royals, go uh, check me out over there as I talk all things sports, not just related to baseball. But when you come here and click on this podcast, you know that you are getting 30 straight minutes of Royals baseball. And usually it is Monday through Friday. We give you five episodes a week, and that continues into the offseason. But starting on Monday, things are going to be a little bit different because for us baseball podcasters, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, we always need a little bit of downtime, a little bit of time off. And that doesn't mean that we're just not going to be posting for the next two weeks or three weeks. But starting Monday till around the time of spring training, we are going to dip to three podcast episodes a week, not five. So not every single day. Won't always be as consistent Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll jump around a little bit depending on what news breaks. If we've got some guests to come on, just be a little bit of uh, flexible uh, in that regard. But that is going to be the programming note moving forward that three episodes a week will start on Monday. But again, if there's some big time breaking news, a big time trade, we'll always be sure to uh, get an extra podcast episode up if it is worthy uh, to. And if we don't cover all of it in just one podcast episode that week. So uh, be on the lookout for that, but always be sure to subscribe and comment on YouTube and comment on Twitter, again, at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 1-5. Well, it is a Friday. It's my favorite show of the week, a Mailbag Friday segment, because we really uh, let the listener dictate the show, what we want to talk about, what the followers want to talk about, any questions, any pressing questions they may have on their mind. They send them directly to me to my Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. So let's dive right into it. We had 15 overall questions, so we had to split this into two segments, which I always love doing. More time for the listeners, more time for the followers. So let's jump right into what Colin had to ask. He said, this roster does not fit. 
When are they going to do something about it and make trades of significance that actually hurt a little? And I do get what you mean by that. When are they going to make significant trades? And I think we had a little bit of movement earlier this morning when Ken Rosenthal reported that the Royals have been very aggressive looking for starters in the free agent market, but also aggressive in looking for starters via trade. And they've been engaged with talks with Seattle about their rotation and with Miami. And I think those are two options that are really great for young pitching. The question is, who are they willing to give up? Well, per Ken Rosenthal, names like Michael Massey, MJ Melendez, and Freddie Fermin are all names being discussed. Unlikely that Michael Garcia and Vinny Pasquantino are. The tough thing with the Royals is they don't have much to trade. But also at the same time, I don't think they're at liberty to just unload any guy that has value on this team. And young guys with years of control. It's a different thing if they had somebody who was coming up on contract. Uh, they could unload him before the season. They really don't. Um, I would say the one guy that would make the most sense to trade is Brady Singer, but they need help in the rotation. They need arms in the rotation. Like Michael Garcia and Vinny Pasquantino are young, very good hitters that have years of control. Like there's no need for the Royals to do that because, again, why do we want to go through rebuild 3.0? And is there any guarantee the Royals get the right guys in trading away Michael Garcia and Pasquantino? I don't see it. I do think the first move that'll hurt them a little bit would involve a Melendez, Massey, or Fermin, because those are guys I consider to have decent amount of value. But if you get good pitching in return, I think it's a win-win for both sides. I mean, I don't think a lot of people understand there's value in young guys with control. I mean, just because they they struggled early on in their career doesn't mean teams scoff at that and say they can't, you know, take on that that type of player. They got years of control and there's upside to them, which those three have upside. I think that would be a move that could hurt them a little bit because then you're banking on finding somebody else that can fill that hole. Next question we have is from Casey Preds fan on Twitter. He says, what do you think Freddie Fermin's future look like? Well, we just talked about him a little bit there, and, and Ken Rosenthal brought his name up as somebody being discussed in trade. Freddie Fermin is a guy that I love to watch play. I think he's an easy guy to root for, but he's also a stopgap guy. He is not somebody I pencil in for the next three to four years in a Royals uniform, largely in part because he's an older rookie. Uh, he was 28 years old last year. Um, I think he broke onto the scene because there wasn't much of a book on him, but there were some numbers I really liked about him. He was giving you more value behind the plate than Salvador Perez, but he's also a perfect trade candidate. He's going to be 29 this upcoming year. He's an above average hitting catcher with good enough defense behind the plate. That's rare in Major League Baseball. So his future, I think, is limited here in Kansas City because I think here in the future, they'll be looking to trade him because uh, I think they want Salvador Perez, at least for the first half of the season, sticking around. And they already have a couple guys in the minor leagues. They want to be the future of their catching department. Carter Jensen and Blake Mitchell, just a few names that come to mind. Next question is from Briley on Twitter. He asked, do you think there's any hope for Singer turning it around this year? I do. I do think there is a chance that he turns things around because last year was a little bit odd. You know, he shows up to spring training or shows up when pitchers and catchers report to surprise. Then he has to go to the WBC where he has one outing and he's just sitting the bench the rest of the time. Then he comes back to spring training, doesn't really get a full off-season workout in, or a spring training workout, I should say, and then he has to go you know, start on the third or fourth day of the regular season. It was just a weird, clunky off-season for him, but it was one he needed, I think. He needed to have that representation in the WBC, and I'm glad he did. But I think he's primed for a bounce-back you know, year. I think it does come down to how willing he is to throw that changeup if he's not. I don't think he's going to have the bounce back here. Many are anticipating, but I don't see it being as bad as it was last year. That was because of a very clunky offseason. 
Next question we got is from Matt on Twitter. Here's a really important question. How do we change the minds of casual fans to get them to stop being okay with the owners crying poor? They bring in $150 million before ever selling a ticket. I mean, I think at this point, if you are a fan that is protecting ownership all the time and saying, oh, they can't do this, I, I would just say, hey, no, there are guys the Royals can afford. Now, they're a smaller market team. They're not going to compete with the big dogs, but the Royals can do more than they're doing right now. And I think it's showing that this offseason, they're trying to be more aggressive. They're trying to add to the payroll. And again, it's ink to paper. I got to see it first before I can truly believe it. But for fans that are saying, hey, ownership doesn't need to spend money, these are very wealthy people uh, that can help out the team just a little bit more, especially when you're trying to build a downtown stadium. Next, we got is from Coach Gino. What will be, when will we be contenders again in ownership surround uh, Bobby Witt with talent? I mean, I do think this year they're going to try to build a more competitive roster. Contenders, though, um, it's going to be tough to compete in the American League. But I will say this. It is not a stretch to think the Royals can compete in the American League Central. It is a ghastly division. It is terrible. None of the teams in the division right now have a super, super bright future. It's anybody's game right now. And I think that the Royals were uber aggressive in free agency. I mean, this offense, people don't want to believe this, but batting average, team batting average, team slugging, team OPS, the Royals were second in the division last year with losing 106. Pitching was detrimental. But the Twins were the only team that was better than them in that regard. Cleveland had a terrible offense. Chicago had a terrible offense. I mean, it just was not that impressive of a group. And the Tigers, again, Tigers were completely led on pitching, and they finished second. So those are things I, I'm all kind of factoring in. And if the Royals go get some pitching, hey, you win 75 to 80 games, you're in the hunt all season long. This division is not good. But to be a contender, I mean, you got to get hot at the right time, and that's in October. And if you can get hit hot in October, it's anybody's game. I mean, we saw the Orioles last year win 100-plus. They didn't win a postseason game. Texas got hot at the right time. They won the World Series. Arizona got hot at the right time. They won the World Series. First things first, though, I'm looking at winning the division. Try to find a way to compete in the American League Central. Then you can go from there. All right, we still have plenty of more questions to get into, and I don't want to miss a single one. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's answer some more questions from the Mailbag Friday. That's next on Locked on Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to the title sponsor today in FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 bucks. If your team wins, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Well, I don't want to waste any more time because we got about seven or eight questions to get to and only about eight to nine minutes to do so, and I want to give everybody the right amount of time. Millerman on Twitter asks, or at least states, I would like us to sign Kyle Lewis, Believe or you believe that he can be a good center fielder with this team. I will say that Kyle Lewis was somebody I was uh, kind of bullish on to begin with. I don't think the hit tool is that impressive. And defensively, I'm going to go out and say that Kyle Isbell is just much better. Um, I know that Kyle Isbell doesn't have the early year accolades that Kyle Lewis does, but Kyle Lewis kind of feels like a flash in the pan at this point. I think the COVID year really helped that. Uh, listen, if Kyle Isbell can just be 
marginally good at the plate. And I've been convinced of this. I was not a Kyle Isbell guy until I got talked into it a little bit. Kyle Isbell's so good defensively. He's kind of like Michael A. Taylor, where you just give a little bit of offense, that's valuable. That really is until you can find your center fielder of the future. But for a guy, the next two years, like if Kyle Isbell really gets off to a hot start in April, I think that can change his season. He's that good defensively. I mean, you're talking about a Nicky Lopez 2021 type of year where you can be a, a four or five war player just if you can hit a little bit better than he was the last couple of years of his career. So that's why I just, I'm not on board the Kyle Lewis thing because I don't think the Royals really fix him. They kind of have a, a better defensive Kyle Lewis right now in center field. And I think I'm fine to stick with that at the cost you get Kyle Isbell for. RB Carr on Twitter asks, will the lottery system really persuade teams from tearing it down and rebuilding? Absolutely. There's no need to lose 110 or 120 games. Because it showed to me on Tuesday that a worthless season like that, and maybe worthless is too strong, a dismal season like that, you get the same odds as the two other teams that may finish 10 games better than you, 15 games better than you, and then a team that wins 76 games could pick first overall. There's no reason to tank anymore. Don't play the odds. That's a weak thing to do. Try to build a competitive team. If you lose a lot of games, fine. You've got good odds then. But try to contend in the division you have. I don't think any team, maybe Oakland, until they move to Vegas, is going to try to take that route. Not even the Royals. The Royals are kind of showing this offseason, hey, uh, we're trying to make this team more competitive. We're not trying to go through this evaluation process or rebuild mode anymore because it would be dumb to do so. So I do believe it's going to persuade teams, which is what baseball wanted, to not tank anymore. Evan asks on Twitter, what steps do you want to see to believe the Royals are serious about contending sooner rather than later? All those things that uh, Ken Rosendahl brought up in his article this morning, you know, being in on Sonny Gray, though missing out, uh, being in on Giolito, Eduardo Rodriguez, being in on Tyler O'Neill, even though a handful of those guys have already found new destinations, it's still being aggressive in trying to bring in Seth Lugo. It's being aggressive and trying to add a corner outfield bat, being open to trades, trying to get starting pitching in every single way. The fact they are already trying to do that tells me they are serious. But like I said in the first segment, ink to paper, you got to show me you can do it. And I think getting a Seth Lugo, going after a G Lee, I mean, if they get Seth Lugo and Marcus Stroman, they sold me that they are trying to spend to solve the rotational problems. Then I'm all right being a little bit cheaper on the bullpen side. Roll it out with that rotation and the offense that you have, see if you can contend a little bit. That, to me, it's going to take more than you think, but I also think the bar's not that high. They haven't done much in the offseason in the entire portion of my life, even when they were living, or winning, <laughs> when they were living, when they were winning. They haven't done much. And I guess I could say when they were living in the offseason, yeah, they haven't done it really. They never really did under Dayton Moore, and they didn't in the first year under J.J. Bacola. They show they can add more than – you know, 20 million, 30 million, 35 million payroll. I believe they are trying to get contend in the division that is incredibly weak. So I would be on board with it. Uh, Millerman also asked again on Twitter, Giolito and Lugo need to be the top two on our list right now, or at least state. So you, you had two comments on it more so than questions. I'm not opposed to that. If you get Giolito and Lugo, the two pieces you wanted in free agency, you pair them with Reagans and Singer, make a trade to grab a fifth guy in the rotation. Let's roll, man. Let's roll with a group like that. And I can guarantee you, if that's the rotation, you are seeing a far more competitive team in 2024 because the Royals were just hoping and praying that a guy could give them five, in five innings every fifth day. And it didn't work out. That was one of, if not the worst rotation 
and all of baseball last year before Cole Reagans got added into it. So I'm fine with Giolito and Lugo coming into this rotation. Uh, Lando Scott asked on Twitter, any faith in the idea of signing one of Lugo, Giolito, or Flaherty? Yeah, I think it is going to be one of those guys. Uh, Seth Lugo probably feels like the most likely just because there's been so much smoke around it. Um, Giolito, if the price dips just a little bit, you know, Erod made 20 mil. I think that Giolito is going to get around 15 million a year, just like Stroman will. And those are very affordable options for the Royals. I really do believe, you know, a three or four year deal. Owners can't afford that. You can add that to the payroll. And Seth Lugo, I think he may want a third year, but if it's a third year, you might look at it at 11 million a year, you know, 33 over three years. I think that's very doable. But of those options you just brought up, I think all of them are very good candidates. And I do believe one of them will be a Kansas City Royal here in the next month or so. Uh, the next question we got is from Taco. Should the Royals offer Bobby Wood Jr. to the Orioles for Jackson Holiday? Jackson Holiday is an absolute stud. He is going to be a superstar. But if the Royals were ever going to entertain a trade for Bobby Wood Jr., they would need to get a haul uh, because they clearly value him more than anybody on their roster. He is their face of the franchise, and they hope that he be, he could become something like this. Jackson Hall, they could be better, but I don't know if the Royals would make a move like that. I mean, that just feels very unroyal like I made that. If you are somebody on the trade Bobby Wood Jr. path, it just is going to take a lot. I mean, the Royals don't trade guys in general. Now that they have their cornerstone piece that wants a big-time contract, I think they'd be far more willing to give him that money than just trade him for somebody who could become a superstar and maybe better than Bobby Witt Jr. But again, I don't see them going through another rebuild 3.0 where that makes sense. I think they want to try and be far more competitive this coming year than waiting around three or four more years. Jeremy asks on Twitter, with the winter meetings wrapping up, what's your outlook on what the Royals can do this offseason to get ahead of division rivals with higher draft picks this year? So that would be Chicago and Cleveland. Uh, the good thing for the Royals, Chicago and Cleveland do not spend money. I know the White Sox just brought in Eric Fetty. Uh, that was a really good move. The Royals were in on Eric Fetty, but apparently got outbid by a team that's not going to be very good in the Central. I mean, Fangrass has their win projections this year. The Royals are at 76. Cleveland, I think, was at 80 or 81. The White Sox are in dead last, and that's been pretty consistent. It is going to be an all-out, tear-down, rebuild year for the White Sox. They're going to find a suitor for Dylan Seas. Maybe on Luis Robert if the price was right. But the good thing for the Royals is you're not going to see much aggression from Cleveland. You never do. They've got great pitchers. They try to just pump out pitching and then trade that pitching for hitting. It's a very good model, but the last couple of years, they've just been average offensively, relying on Jose Ramirez to carry the workload. The White Sox, they have no pitching. They have no bullpen. That's going to stay consistent. If the Royals can build a rotation, they've got a better offense than those two teams. That's the reality here. But the the Guardians have a far better rotation and a far better bullpen. The Royals are going to have to add a good chunk of pitching to make sure they can compete better than them because everybody's gunning for the Twins, the, the reigning division champs. They've got the best offense in the, in the division, but the Royals are fortunate that the other teams in their division, even the Tigers for that matter, they're not that willing to spend. Nobody in the Central has really made moves. The Royals, in fact, have been the most aggressive in terms of talking to a lot of guys, but for the third time in this show, ink to paper you have to show me and last two here we got this one's from chance favorite christmas dish um you know it's a good question i'd probably say if you guys have had it before uh cheesy hash browns it's just the shredded hash browns you cook them in some cheese you bake them in some cheese add some ham into that or if you like bacon bits really really good i don't know if you do it in your household but i absolutely love that i could eat like a pound or two of cheesy hash browns and lastly this one came from connor on twitter would the Royals trade Nick Prado? 
He's kind of in no man's land. Um, I don't think he's a DH. I don't think he's the first baseman with Vinny Pasquantino coming back. So where does he really fit in? I mean, if there's a market for him, it's pretty slim. I think he'd have to be a throw-in chip, just having the name former first-rounder tied to him. And you could throw him in with a MJ Melendez or a Michael Massey or a Freddie Fermin, or if you're trying to trade a pitcher. Like, that could be something you look into for the future because he has shown in stretches success at the big league level. But over the, the course of his career, I mean, he just doesn't hit well enough. He strikes out too much. You struck, struck out – 40% of the time last year, that's not going to be very enticing to many big league big league clubs out there. Well, that's going to do it for a Mailbag Friday segment. We will do one same time next week as we will get tons and tons of more questions from you, the listener and the follower. Always appreciate it on the Locked On Royals Network. Before we wrap up our show, big shout out to Locked On Sports Today. It's here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On. Plus, our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. When we come back, I do want to dive into the Royals' aggressiveness and if it should make you feel good about this offseason. That's next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15 and follow us on TikTok or Instagram at Locked underscore on underscore Royals. Well, it has been a whirlwind of a day, and it's a whirlwind that hasn't resulted in anything yet. So that's kind of the the weird thing that has happened with the Kansas City Royals today, is I woke up at about 7 a.m. this morning, and I see this tweet from Royals Review. It is a quote tweet of Ken Rosenthal's article, and I always love to go through those because you never know if your team's going to be mentioned, but very few times. Had I seen the Royals in the tweet, uh, mentioned in this tweet, usually lists about four to five teams, you know, what what he's been hearing, you know, the winter meetings, the wrap-up, stuff like that. But the Royals were listed. And it was saying the Royals have been aggressive in the starting pitching market. And I'm going, okay, well, let's read about this. Let's see what's going on. And we know that J.J. Bacola had said that some of the guys that had signed, they'd been in on. And my mind immediately went to Kyle Gibson. Uh, Kyle Gibson signed a one-year, I think a $12 million deal with the Cardinals. Very affordable. The Royals could have done that in a heartbeat. Zach Greinke signed for more last season. Like, that's what my mind went to. And then in this Ken Rosenthal piece, it stated that the Royals were going after Sonny Gray, who signed a deal worth $25 million a year, three years, seventy-five. Now, it's very possible the Royals came in at $20 million or $18 million, and Sonny Gray just never even entertained that. But they were shooting high for a big-name free agent pitcher to add to this rotation. And then some more names are listed. The Royals were in on Eric Fetty, who you heard on the show before this week. That that was a guy I really liked. I thought, you know, coming over from the KBO, won the MVP over there, had really kind of retuned himself, reinvented himself, and the White Sox took him on a two-year, $15 million deal. That was less than what Jordan Lyles made last year. So two guys the Royals were in on. We knew that they were in on Eduardo Rodriguez. That didn't work out. He's making $20 million a year with the uh, with the Diamondbacks over four years. It's mentioned that the Royals will be in the market for guys like Marcus Stroman, uh, for Seth Lugo, and uh, one more name I missed, Giolito, of course. And I'm starting to think that there's all these names mentioned, okay? And before I recorded this podcast, Tyler O'Neill was another guy they were in on, and the Red Sox just acquired him. So it's a lot of... A lot of smoke, but it hasn't resulted in a blaze yet. It hasn't resulted in a fire. 
And that's what's going to change things. And I tweeted this out early this morning that you can only be linked to so many players and national reporters saying the Royals are being aggressive. And Ken Rosenthal doubled down. He tweeted out in the afternoon, the Royals are aggressively pursuing Seth Lugo, which now in my mind, and I'll just go out there and say it, if I'm wrong and it burns me, I apologize. But the fact that twice he's been mentioned, like I think something is already in the works with Royals and Seth Lugo. I just, it's just a hunch. I've got no sources there. But when you hear a name so often, and you know it's the Royals of all teams, it's not like the Dodgers are interested in Seth Lugo. They were earlier, but it's not like you have this big name team. Well, of course they're they're interested. No, the Royals don't stick their name in the hat that often. And the fact that it's been doubled down on, aggressively pursuing, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of the Kenta Maeda deal. Kenta Maeda was being reported that the, the Tigers were aggressively pursuing. Two days later, he's a Tiger. Like, that's how I can see this going down with Seth Lugo. They were interested in him last year. It just kind of feels like it's going to fit. Like, I, I would probably put money down. Seth Lugo is going to be a Royal, barring some crazy change, which can always happen in the, the aftermath of the winter meeting. Somebody could swoop in last minute. But you had the Royals tied to Erod. They had them tied to Tyler O'Neill, Mark Cannon. Remember, Mark Cannon was way, way, way back at the beginning of like November, I think it was, or maybe the, the middle of November. They've been tied now to Stroman. At least Stroman's name has been listed as an option for the Royals. Giolito, Lugo. Uh, you just have, you know, seven or eight guys that have been listed. And so far, none have ended up in Kansas City just yet. But when you have this happen, you know, you're, you're in on so many guys. And you haven't spent any money yet. I, I'd be feeling differently if the Royals had spent twenty million of the thirty and they want to add to the payroll. I'd be going, all right. Well, they're not going to be able to meet many of those guys' asking price. But they're at zero. They haven't spent any of that thirty million, with the exception of Garrett Hampson. If you want to add the one million he's making, or the minor league deal guys. If you really want to say that, then okay. But they've got a wide open market here, and. I do believe when you have that much smoke, and this is the most smoke I've seen in the Royals offseason, an individual day that I have the last five years combined. Like when you have Ken Rosenthal, of all people, reporting they're aggressive, they're trying to trade with teams. Teams are named the Mariners and the Marlins. The Royals want young starters. Brian Wu comes to mind in Seattle. Emerson Hancock comes to mind. You know, you have Edward Cabrera. In, in Miami, Trevor Rogers, another name. You, you've got some guys, Braxton Garrett, you know, uh, Jesus Lazardo. The Royals need to give up a lot to get guys like that. But this is what the Royals want to do. And the fact they're exploring every outlet, it feels like an all-out blitz. Like, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure a lot of you listening, played NCAA football or Madden at any point. I don't care if it's NCAA 14, Madden 06, games like that. Everybody remembers if you were playing defense, the scheme in Gage 8. It was just an all-out hellfire blitz it feels like the royals are kind of doing that but what's going to matter is you got to focus in on who you really think you're going to get now you can talk to 10 15 players narrow it down a little bit because now we're seeing tyler o'neill's acquired by the red Sox. we see guys like eduardo rodriguez signing with the diamondbacks sunny gray picks st louis kyle gibson picks st louis these guys are all signing deals well you don't want to be left with none of these guys coming to Kansas City. And I just don't believe that to be the case. Because I'm playing the odds here. All right. If 10 names are mentioned and linked to the Royals, it's probably likely 
At bare minimum, 20% of them, two of them are coming to the Royals. At bare minimum. If none do, then that's just front office malpractice. And I know fans have a strained relationship with the front office. But again, we never saw Dayton Moore even do this when the Royals were winning in 13, 14, and 15. Like, they would make one big move in those winning years. That was it. Remember the Will Myers trade for Shields and Wade Davis and Elliott Johnson. You had the Granky trade that brought you Kane and Escobar and Jeremy Jeffress and Jake Odorizzi. You had the Omar Infante deal. I guess that was paired in 2013 in the Oki deal. So maybe that was the last time I remember a lot of moves happened. In 14, not a ton happened. In 15, Edinson Volquez. You had Chris Young. Okay, so you had some marginal moves, but not big ones. 14, you brought in Jason Vargas. Like, this is going to come down to, can you put the ink to paper? I should just title the podcast episode that, ink to paper. But to me, it's good they're listed with so many of these guys. Because these are guys that can significantly help the team. If you add a Seth Lugo, you add a Giolito, the same rotation, and you get Reagans, and you get Singer, and you get a bounce-back singer, I should say. Maybe you trade somebody for a Brian Wu. I'm just throwing a name out there for Seattle. Or, you know, you you have Seattle pay a ton of the contract to Robbie Ray, who will join midseason. Like, you could build a decent rotation that's top 10 in the AL. And if you could piece together a bullpen, which is always affordable, you could be competitive all year long. The division is that bad. Nobody's going to run away with the division in the Central. Teams are going to get hot at different times, and you're going to hope by the time September rolls around, you're within striking distance. And if you build a team that's good enough, can stay healthy enough, you're going to be right there when it's all said and done. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of Mailbag Friday and Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. Always be sure to give me a follow at JohnnyJ underscore 15. Before we wrap things up for the weekend, one last shout out to Locked On Sports today. It is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. A reminder, at beginning next week until about spring training, we'll have three episodes a week instead of five, instead of five excuse me. So just going to take a little bit of time off, more time to relax and enjoy the offseason, but we'll still have some hard-hitting content beginning on Monday. But until then, you take it easy, Kansas City.